episode of Spawn is brought to you by the Hallmark Channel's Home and Family, a daytime Emmy-nominated talk show featuring fresh advice from top experts and some of Hollywood's biggest stars. Home and Family is celebrating love the entire month of February, and if love means something to you, you have a chance to win a brand new 2017 Ford Edge SE. For details, visit facebook.com slash home and family show. Hello and welcome to Spawn, a common sense and hopefully fun discussion on parenting and parenting culture. Hey, I'm Kristen Chase. And I'm Liz Gumbiner. We're the co-founders of CoolMomPicks.com. And on today's episode of Spawn, we are going to be talking with the one, the only, Dr. Harvey Karp about babies and sleep. Woo! If you could see Yay! us right now, you'd know we were like falling to our knees and doing like praying motions in his general direction. Yeah, we're kind of fangirling <laughs> here for sure. And then we are going to end our show with our cool picks of the week. But we just have to say, Dr. Harvey Karp, we might be your biggest fans. <laughs> Welcome. I'm a big fan of yours, too. So it's really great to talk to you. Oh, thank you. Let me just give a quick introduction. Not that you really need one, but Dr. Karp, Harvey, is a world-famous pediatrician, sleep expert, and the author of the best-selling and, in our opinion, mandatory book, The Happiest Baby on the Block. He's the brilliant mind behind the 5S method for soothing babies that we swear by. And most recently, he started the Happiest Baby Technology Company, which is developing products like the new Snoo Smart Sleeper, which you can see on Cool Mom Picks, to help solve the toughest parenting challenges like sleep, which we're going to talk about today. So welcome, Harvey. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be with you. So we're not kidding. You are like a celebrity. When we posted on our personal and our professional Facebook pages saying that we were speaking to you, every single person jumped in and said, oh my God, tell him I loved him. Tell him he saved my life. Tell him he completely saved my sanity when I had twins. You are beloved. Do you feel like a celebrity? You know, it's a funny thing for me, especially talking to you guys, is that the people who come up to me like in airplanes or airports and things like that and high five oh, me. Oh, so you do get recognized. <laughs> we were wondering if people recognized you on the street or in the airport terminal. And it's true. They do because of the DVD. Ah, yeah. And ah. so what happens in the airplanes is guys are always coming up to me and fist bumping me and going, dude, I am the best swaddler in the world. <laughs> Swaddling is competitive sport. Yeah, we need t-shirts. <laughs> best swaddler ever. I love that. <laughs> so we had a ton of questions. A ton. Yes. So one of our readers, Sandy, she wants to know what does she do about a five-year-old who won't stop waking up and entering her room several times a night between 11.30 and 3 a.m. then pitching a fit when she won't go sit in the room with him, which she won't, and she says, asking for a friend. <laughs> you feel for them. I mean, sometimes if it's a temporary thing, you can indulge them, like um, a child got scared or bullied or you just traveled or they were just sick or whatever. But if it's something that's happening over and over again, of course, it's reasonable to train them to sleep in their own room. So what do you do? Well, number one is using white noise and you want a rumbly sound, but kind of loud. And you don't turn it on just at night. You turn it on an hour before bedtime. As a matter of fact, you turn down the lights an hour before bedtime as well so that the brain starts getting adjusted for the low level of light. Yeah, that's a big thing for us in my house. My son is really anxious sleeper and I'm like no electronics. Mm -hmm. We like chill out before bed. There's like all these visual and audio cues to get him ready to go because he's 10 and I had the same issues as well. And that's what we do. Turn the lights down. That's great. And that gives a cue to the brain when you're changing the lights and we know about orange 
just like like sitting around the campfire, you know, that kind of gets you relaxed and ready to get to bed. So that's one thing to do. The other thing is with a five-year-old, you can kind of make a deal. You could say, look, I'm going to give you these two poker chips and you can come in the room and visit me if you need to in the middle of the night. We'll set a little bed right next to my bed. And if you come in, you have to give me your poker chips. Uh, If you stay in your room and you have the poker chips in the morning, then what should you get for that? You know, should you get a quarter? Should you get stars? How about this? Each one is worth a star. And if you get five stars, should we go to get an ice cream? Or, you know, you can develop a little kind of an agreement with them, a contract. Yes, we love when kids reach the negotiation age. (laughs) It does make things a little easier than with toddlers. It does really work, actually. I did that with my son. And for him, it was if he got up and didn't come into my room and could turn himself around, Mm -hmm. then he would keep them. And another level was if he did come into my room and I redirected him, he didn't throw a fit. He would get to keep one. And I'll tell you what, it worked. It took like a week at most, and that really just kicked it. So that's another variation on a theme. Maybe you don't have to play hardball at first. And you can say, if you come into the room, you have to give me one, and you can keep the other one. So they still feel like winners. But a five-year-old, I mean, by that age, they know well enough to know that they should make the bet. You know, if they, if they want to pay the price, then they can come. <laughs> Yes, they know. I thought I was dealing. Mine was like eight. So, I mean, we were like wheeling and dealing like we were at the Vegas casino. Um, Now, Harvey, this is a really great question. I think so many parents have this and it's from Marissa. She says we are a sleep disaster. The boys sleep in bed with daddy most nights. Sometimes the little guy comes into the twin bed. And so what do we do? What do you do when you have kids that are crawling into bed? Musical beds, musical beds. They want to be in bed with you. Well, of course, every family gets to make that individual choice, right? Different people have different rules about those things. When my daughter, when my 33 comes home to visit, I get kicked out of the bed and she sleeps with my wife. (laughs) But sleeping with your children is a wonderful, beautiful thing. Many cultures do that, even have three generations sleeping in the same bed. So I'm all in favor of family beds if that's what feels good to you and feels right for your family. On the other hand, it can feel terrible for your family and you get into fights about it and it's just unhealthy, you know, psychologically for your particular family, in which case you have to figure it out. So you have to start setting boundaries and rules. With the older kids, you can do that with, like I said, star charts or contracts. You can also do that with setting up ways to make their bedroom more attractive to them. So put a tent in their room, for example, something that's fun, that's more interesting for them and put a gate up. So there's a little barrier that uh, doesn't make it so easy easy for them to escape. That's obviously for, you know, kid under two or something like that. You know, when my two-year-old, I realized she had to sleep, she really slept best in our bed. And I just used to say we were co-not sleepers <laughs> because <laughs> yeah. she slept with us, but I didn't get a lot of sleep. Mm-hmm. I understand how it works for some people, doesn't work for others. And I'm actually glad to hear you give such common sense advice about it because there is so much controversy about it. I know, you really get value-laden about it. Yeah. But the other thing is you can do it the other side, which is put a little bed on the floor in your child's room and you sleep there. And you make a deal with these older kids. If they get out of bed, then you're going to leave the room. Uh, So as long as they stay in bed, mommy will be there and be reassuring to them. And meanwhile, you also have the white noise on and you also give them a teddy bear. And the other thing is to teach patience. I cannot Mm. stress this enough. There's a technique in The Happiest Toddler on the Block DVD and book called patient stretching. And this is another one of these skills. You can start teaching patience to a one-year-old. And it's the opposite way that you think you're supposed to teach patience. You start training them to be more patient during the day. 
so that then at night they're already learning how to do that. They can be a little bit more patient in oh, bed and a little bit more reasonable with you. But you do that by starting to encourage them to be more patient during the daytime. Yes. So listen, let's transition for yes. a second because sure. I know a lot of our listeners and our fans have slightly older kids. Mm-hmm. And so we have a couple questions from them if you're ready to jump like slightly past the toddler years and try to help them out too. Sure. The first thing is you've made such a great case for why we need to help kids self-soothe earlier and how it helps them. What happens if you miss that boat? Like what happens if people only discovered your book after their kid was two and a half years old or three years old or they're still having trouble sleeping? Sure. So a couple of things. One technique that's useful all throughout the lifespan is white noise. I mean, um, let me just say a little bit about white noise because sure. it's a lot. Do you guys use white noise at all? Yes. I am a huge white noise fan. Yeah. I mean, Love I it. just used to have a fan on or humidifier and that mm-hmm. tend to work yeah. for my kids. Yeah. Yeah. But I have a white noise machine. But those might be bad white noise. I don't know. You tell me. Well, let's talk about that for a second because there is almost no research. There are really two types of white noise, high pitched and low pitched. There's shh or shh, that kind of white noise. And more rumbly white noise. Now it turns out high pitch sounds and low pitch sounds have completely opposite effects on your physiology, on your body. Oh boy. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. High pitch sounds are great for getting your attention, right? Sirens, beepers, alarms, screams, but they actually create a tension in us. And for some people who are really sensitive to sounds, they can be absolutely insanity provoking and they're terrible for sleep. On the other hand, low pitch rumbles are terrible for getting your attention, but they're great for sleep, which is why we fall asleep in trains and planes and cars. And we mumble when we meditate, you know, these chants or we like the sound of the wind and the ocean. And so it turns out that all of us are the descendants of these Zen little babies who were put into a trance by the rhythms of the womb. And in the first four months or five months, it's an irresistible reflex, and that's why snoo works so well. But once you get past that point, it's not an automatic thing, but it helps all of us to sleep better. That's why we fall asleep in trains and planes. We like hammocks. We fall asleep on boats and things like that. Just put me on anything moving besides maybe a motorcycle, and I'm out <laughs> in like five minutes. I've never and I'm, I'm a low asleep. rumbly sound person, so definitely. There you go. And so that's yeah. all because of your mom. You experience that inside your mom and now that's deeply imprinted into your neurology. And all human beings have that. So if you have a two-year-old and you want to help them sleep, but they wake up because they hear the sirens outside if you're in New York City or the crickets outside if you're in Kansas City, what the white noise does is it helps them get into a little bit deeper level of sleep. And when they wake up in the middle of the night, they hear the sound. Hmm. What that does is accuse the brain that everything is fine and normal. That's very Ah. logical. (laughs) So it seems like when you're a new parent, everyone comes up to you and goes, so is your baby sleeping through the night? It's like a competitive sport, like we were joking before. And I think that becomes very stressful because if your baby is not sleeping, you feel guilty, you feel awful, you feel like you're doing something wrong when the mom in the playground Mm -hmm. seems to have better results than you do. How do you get past that as a new parent? Well, number one, you learn the facts because there are so many myths just total myths about babies and sleep. Tiptoe, the baby's sleeping, everyone be quiet. Quiet is the worst thing for a baby. In the womb, they have sound that's louder than a vacuum cleaner, 24-7. Don't always rock a baby to sleep because then they get dependent on it. 
They are dependent on it. In the womb, you're rocking them every single breath you take. Your diaphragm goes down and you're rocking your baby. So to suddenly put your baby in a flat bed in a quiet room, unswaddled, you know, it's the other thing. People go, oh, swaddling, I wouldn't like that. Well, you wouldn't like to live in a womb for nine months either. <laughs> You'd think we would know everything by now. It's the 21st century, for God's sakes. You, let me ask you guys, at what age should a baby be sleeping through the night? Ooh, I'm a fan of quizzes. So I always felt like sleeping through the night meant five consecutive hours. And I always thought it was at a year or beyond was when you would probably get that. Liz, what do you say? Honestly, I could only go by what my own kids did and what felt like my new normal at the time. <laughs> I had one that barely slept through the night until she was almost three. So it was tough. When she got about five hours as a baby, I thought that was like masterful. I was really psyched. And when she was a toddler, I would say, you know, six or seven still felt like a home run. Oh. I'm probably totally wrong, right? So who's right or who's wrong? <laughs> okay. So the answer is, at what age does a baby sleep through the night? And the answer is never. A child never <laughs> oh. sleeps through the night and an adult never sleeps through the night. None of us sleep through eh, the night. We got gonged, Kristen. <laughs> <laughs> but the point being that most parents think that their baby is going to sleep six or eight hours by the time they're three months old. And this is why people talk about teaching your baby to self-soothe. We all wake up two or three times in the middle of the night. The goal is to have your baby mature to the point where when they wake up, if they're not hungry, you know, or have a dirty diaper, that they have the capability of getting themselves back to sleep. So really sleep training in a way is partly not having parents run in and also teaching kids how to get back to sleep, exactly. which I never thought of it that way. Man, I've done this four times. Do you, do you refer to it as sleep training? Is that like a good or bad phrase these days? I think it's better than cry it out, you know, but for <laughs> most people, when they say sleep train, it's a euphemism for a closing the door and walking away. I'm not saying that that can't work. And I've used it myself with patients when they're desperate and depressed and they're ready to get divorced and they oh. just have to get some sleep. You know, that's the lesser of the evils, but nobody feels good doing that. And if you talk to people from other cultures and you say, oh yeah, when our babies are four months old, if they're not sleeping well, we just close the door and let them scream. You know, they look at us like we're abusers, you know, we're the worst parents. If and this is the big if, if we have a way of helping them learn how to be better sleepers at an earlier age in a more natural way ah. without having to then wait and wait and wait and when they don't do better, just going mano a mano with them. That's really the key. So let me ask you this then. Is every parent lying? <laughs> because I swear I would be in music class and they would be like, oh, my baby's, you know, I put her down at six and she wakes up at six in the morning. So like, is that for real? Or is that baby just really good at self-soothing? Or are they just lying? <laughs> yeah, no, the baby's good at self-soothing. They're not lying for the most part. That we know. By six months of age, about... 50% of kids are still waking up once in the middle of the night. So they're getting like a four or five hour stretch. Some kids still at six months of age are waking up, you know, two or three times. In fact, there's this weird thing called the sleep regression, the three month or the four month sleep regression. Did you ever hear of that thing? Oh, yes. My children's entire lives was it's filled sleep with sleep regression. So <laughs> yeah, name a month and I'll be like, yeah, I know that. <laughs> they're great now, by the way. They're nine and 11 and they're fantastic sleepers. So for all the parents freaking out, or know that it'll hopefully get better soon. If you live long enough. The interesting <laughs> thing about this three or four month sleep regression is that these babies, like you were saying, the parents brag, you know, my child is now sleeping eight hours or 10 hours. And then 
suddenly you feel like, oh my God, I shouldn't have said anything because by three, three and a half months it all yeah, falls You never apart. say that out loud. Like you don't talk about the sleep club. The first roll of sleep club. <laughs> so if you don't have a baby, you go, what's the difference between a newborn and a three month old? And you go, I don't know, they're bigger. But once you have a baby, you go, oh my God, it's an enormous difference because by three, four months of age, they become social. They become really oriented to the world around them and the people around them. And they want to look and play and coo and smile with you. Mm. And so if you've just left them to their own devices, when they start waking up when they're three and four months old, because they're a little hungry or they have a little gas or something like that, suddenly they look around and they go, where's everybody? I want to play. I, I don't want to be by myself in a dark room. So socially, they're driven to call you back in and have that company. It can be such an incredible stress on a family because by then you're back at work or you need to do other things or take care of your other kids and you sure. need to start getting your rest. So that three month, four month sleep regression is something that's pretty common and oftentimes is the straw that breaks the camel's back that pushes somebody into doing sleep training because they just can't take it. And I think that it's often harder for second and third or Kristen's case, fourth time moms, because you've got other kids to worry about. That was one of my issues. When my daughter started regressing, she was 22 months when her sister was born. And suddenly, you know, they're sharing a room. We're in a small New York apartment. And now the sleep habits are affecting other people, including her baby sister and the baby's affecting the toddler. And that affects you during the day because you didn't get your rest and you can't be the mom you want to be and your child's more cranky. You're not supposed to have two partners and four kids. I mean, you are supposed to do that, but you're supposed to do that with a lot of family help around your neighbors, older daughter. You're supposed to have this infrastructure. And for most families, that's been surgically removed over the last 70 years. And so the question is, how do we help support families who are now doing this heroic job? The reason that I even started thinking about creating SNU is that most people can't afford that kind of help, but they need it and their babies need it because if you can get your baby in a better sleep pattern by three months of age, four months of age, they're going to sleep better at six months, which means they're going to sleep better at a year, which means they're going to have a lower risk of obesity. They're going to have a lower risk of learning problems and attention deficit, and they're just going to be happier kids. And so what we've done with SNU is imitating the best caregiver, the best grandma, the best baby nurse that you can imagine. Snoo imitates womb with rocking motion and sound and a new type of swaddle blanket that attaches to the bed so that the baby cannot accidentally roll over to an unsafe position. Just hearing you talk, and I don't even have a baby anymore. My youngest is six years old. I feel so much better. I'm sure listeners are going to be just breathing a huge sigh of relief. I mean, I am. I don't know about you, Liz. <laughs> talk more about the snoo itself. We featured it on Cool Mom Tech because we saw it at CES. But for folks who have no idea what you're talking about and they're like, what is this? I need this in my life. And just to clarify, it's snoo, S-N-O-O, -O, which yes. reminds me of that old joke where you say, hey, I'm glad to come in out of the snoo. And someone says, what's snoo? And you say, what's new with you? <laughs> <laughs> Don't give up your day job. <laughs> this it's is okay. my day job. <laughs> <laughs> so how'd you come up with the name Snoo and what was the impetus behind this cradle? So with Snoo, we wanted a, just a simple, fun name that makes you smile. My daughter actually came up with it, my 33-year-old. My the concept of it is that parents need extra help and babies need extra help and they're not ready to be born. So let's use the cues that babies are already born with 
the rocking that they have in the womb, the sound they have in the womb, and the envelopment that they have in the womb to help promote sleep from the very first days. And the earlier you use it, the better it works. These sleep cues are the normal sleep cue that you've been giving your baby for the last months of pregnancy. Just like you have sleep cues, like your favorite pillow or your favorite sheets, or you like to sleep with a little light on or no light on or cool room or hot room or feet tucked in. Babies like to sleep with rocking motion, with a certain type of sound, then with the right type of swaddling. What really struck me when I was looking at baby beds was there has been no improvement or innovation in baby beds in over a thousand years. That's wow. insane. That's crazy. If you want to help improve a child's sleep, we live in the 21st century. <laughs> we can use the technology that we have at our fingertips to create environment that promotes sleep and literally that trains babies to be better sleepers in the first weeks of life. And that's what it turns out we can do. Babies are learning before they're born. They're learning in utero to recognize your voice, music. Once they're born within the first week, they recognize your breasts, and suddenly when you open up your bra, they open up their mouths, they, they anticipate what's coming up, or a bottle, when you get close to them with a the bottle, they'll open up their mouths. Yeah. So they're learning by association. If you give them the proper associations, you can help promote them into a better sleep cycle, which means for a newborn baby that they'll sleep four hours, maybe by a few weeks, they'll sleep a five hour stretch. It's not a magic bed. It's not going to make them sleep 10 hours, you know, put them down, they sleep. They're still going to wake up for feedings and they're still going to wake up to be hugged and they're still going to wake up for diaper changes. But what we can now do is start linking their sleep cycles so that we can get these longer periods of sleep at nighttime. And then you wake them up every, you know, hour and a half or two hours during the day to make sure that they're being fed and they're getting all the calories that they need. And it looks amazing too. It does. But I, I have a question like for skeptical parents out there. We have some skeptical Facebook fans who have a lot of questions about new products. Mm -hmm. And the idea of, you know, relatively pricey self-rocking cradle. Mm -hmm. I know there's some people that probably feel like that's somehow outsourcing your parenting job or your maternal obligations to your child. Yeah, some people feel guilty about that. And of course, that's not at all the case. Would it be outsourcing if you like grandma hold the baby? for a few hours <laughs> yeah. or your neighbor's teenager is that like abrogating your responsibility people again they're very judgmental of themselves and others this is really just a helper if you look at it as a service here you are you're a mom you've got one kid or maybe you've got four like Kristen mm -hmm. <laughs> and so you need a break to take a shower you need a break to get the kids ready to go to school and make lunches every once in a while you want to take a nap or maybe you want to try to get an extra hour of sleep at night if you hired a teenager to rock your baby be two hours a day while you did other things, you'd pay 20 bucks for it. It's a great way to look at it. And I love the way you're framing it as a service because that really makes me see it differently. And maybe have your village that's not nearby that can't sit and rock your baby all chip in together because we're always all for like group gifts and rather than like the amazing bedding on the crib that you're probably not going to, at least that was me, my baby never slept in the crib on that fancy bedding. <laughs> you know, there are things that we don't necessarily need. And Skip um, the cashmere baby sweaters. Skip you don't those and get some sleep instead. <laughs> And listen, let's yeah. close out with one more question before we get to cool picks of the week, which you're going to join us for. Sure. So Mike, a very cool dad that we know, wants to know, when is the happiest teen on the block coming out? Yeah. <laughs> Can he still bundle and gently shake his teen? <laughs> yeah, and the shushing. I mean, I do that with my daughter as well. <laughs> Well, clearly you have a lot of fans that I think want to live with your advice for their entire lives until their kids <laughs> move out of the house. So take that as a compliment. I, I'm very appreciative of that. I would tell people, joking aside, that the techniques in The Happiest Toddler 
are very applicable for teenagers. It sounds weird, ah. but toddlers and teens are really similar in a lot of ways. No wonder they're so know. difficult. The stomping, <laughs> the tantrums. We get it coming and going, man. When do we get a break? <laughs> you know, what has always shocked me as a pediatrician, I mean, now that I started writing books, is the idea that when you have a baby, you're going to buy like 10 books. You're going to buy everything. You, you want to be the best mom who ever lived. And then you like yeah. never buy another book the rest of your child's life. <laughs> yeah, to read to them. Get out of my house, Dr. Carp. <laughs> Get out of my house. Here's the, here's the point of it. What parents are taught today in terms of building their child's emotional health and resilience is to acknowledge feelings in a respectful way. Mm. That's a good concept. However, most people are doing it in such a way that it's completely counterproductive, literally has reversed effect. And what I mean by that is when little kids are upset, our tendency is to go, sweetheart, I know you want the cookie, but but you you we're about to eat dinner, honey, honey. I know you want the cookie, but we do have to wait. And you can have a cookie after dinner, okay? That sounds reasonable, but when you understand that a little child's left brain, the brain that understands words, doesn't work very well, their right brain, the side that understands a tone of voice and gestures, works really well. When they're upset, what they're hearing is a blah 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 a blah 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. So you're not really acknowledging that? Not at all. You're acknowledging it in words that don't matter to her, and you're not acknowledging it in tone of voice and gestures that mean everything to her. But, you know, here's the weird thing. We are all like that. If you were really mad, and I say to you, uh, look, Liz, okay, Liz, Liz, I get it, I get it. I, look, I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Really, I'm really, really, really sorry. And you don't see my hands right now, but I'm gesturing like I'm praying, you know, kind of like. Oh, no, I can hear your tone of voice, mister. <laughs> so even with an adult, you repeat things, you have this kind of telegraphic or gibberese kind of language form, but it feels right. As opposed to saying, I know you're upset, Liz, and I'm very, very sorry. You have every reason to be upset. You know, the words actually don't matter to you. It has completely contrary effect. I'm concerned about that because parents end up getting kids who end up being wild and disruptive because they ultimately don't feel heard. And they're trying to get the most important person in their life to just at least acknowledge what they're feeling, much less to give them the things they want. Well, I was a music therapist for a really long time. And that's actually one of the concepts is musical empathy. Yes. And so it's using music to match a person's feelings and to meet them where they are. I mean, I use that concept anyway. Mm -hmm. And I think that applies, right? It's meeting someone where they are. Completely. So if they're angry and you come in and you just say, don't be angry. It's okay. Mm -hmm. That doesn't really acknowledge, you know, I, I do it all the time with my kids you're really angry. Mm -hmm. And they're like, yeah. yeah. And that's all they really needed. They didn't need you to solve it. They didn't need you to do anything. They just wanted to be acknowledged. They wanted their feeling to be heard. It's the same with us, right, too. Like when I'm pissed, sorry, but when I'm angry, I don't want someone to come up to me and just kind of shush me. You know, I love it when my friends are like, oh my gosh, that stinks. Oh, you know, that's, that's terrible. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and then you get it out of your system. And I think you know, same concept. We did it with music, mm -hmm. but now I do it more verbally and with emotion and feeling and, you know, physicality with my kids. So that's a good topic. We should talk in a few months about doing that. I think that's great. Like anything that's helping parents yeah. from an expert point of view is terrific. That's what we're here for. Well, thank you so much for all of this amazing information. And you know what? We're going to open it up to our listeners, too. If you guys have any questions or comments, you can reach us in many different ways. We are email friendly, spawned at coolmompics.com. You can find us on Twitter. We're at Cool Mom Picks. Use the hashtag Spawn Show. We're on Facebook. And uh, 
uh, Harvey, how can people find you? You're on Twitter and Facebook as well. I am. I'm at Dr. Harvey Carp on Twitter. But the best way to read my stuff and get more information is to come to the website, which is happiestbaby.com. And uh, besides having snoo there, that's the only place people can buy snoo now. But besides that, we've got lots of content about sleep and about behavior and immunization and food. So it's a place that people can bookmark. Thank you. Thank you for providing such amazing resources for parents. So we'll be back with our cool picks of the week right after this. We are so happy, Kristen, to welcome our newest sponsor, Home and Family, the daytime Emmy-nominated show on the Hallmark Channel. Yes! I love this show! They have so many great experts on there talking about tips, advice, recipes, crafts, and you know what? I love when the Hollywood stars kind of pop in unexpectedly. It's kind of cool. You're like, oh! I know! Some of our favorite like Hollywood parents are on there. Alyssa Milano was on last week sharing her family lasagna recipe, which was awesome. And remember Kelly Martin? We love her. She oh, actually, I, love her. I know. Well, she was the star of Life Goes On. Everybody loves her, and she was in ER. But she also actually runs a kids' toy store called Romp NYC, which we feature all the time. And she was on last week. You know who else was on as a guest? Who? Our food editor from Cool Mom Eats, who we're going to have on the show next week, Stacey Billis. She was on as a guest. Yes. She had a great time. She loved them. So anyway, I'm thrilled that they're a sponsor. And they're doing something really cool for all of you, our listeners, and everybody else who watches. They are giving away a brand new 2017 Ford Edge SE. That's like a $31,000 car, Kristen. That is awesome. They're actually celebrating love the entire month of February. And they're asking you to submit a 30-second video describing what love means to you. So get creative and you could win. Oh, we could have fun with that one, Kristen. (laughs) Yes, I wonder how R-rated it can be. I'm not sure. (laughs) But you know what? The details are on the Facebook page, facebook.com slash home and family show. So don't take our word for how racy you can go with it. Check out theirs. You can even send a new video each day to enter so a lot of chances to enter to win that cool Ford Edge SE. Just keep in mind the contest ends February 28th and the winner will be introduced by none other than Susan Lucci. Yay! On March 21st so be sure to check back on March 21st to see who won. Go to their Facebook page for all the details facebook.com slash home and family show. And don't forget you can catch Home and Family daily at 10 a.m. or 9 central on the Hallmark Channel. So now it's time for... Cool Picks of the Week! Cool Picks of the Week! Harvey, do you want to kick this off? Sure. I mean, one of my favorites, it's an organization, which is called an Environmental Working Group, or EW. Oh, we love them. Do you? Oh, they're so fantastic. They're really protecting every single family who's listening. Their job is to make sure that our government is doing the right thing in terms of children's exposure to environmental chemicals and chemicals that are in our environment, the air we breathe, the water we drink, etc., Um, I know right now they're working assiduously to make sure that the new government is picking the very best people to represent us on the environmental front. And what EWG has, which is one of the things that I love and so many families I know love, is something called Skin Deep, which is an app. And you can use this app to read barcodes just with your smartphone. You read a barcode at the store and it will tell you if it's a product, a cleaning product or a personal care product that has chemicals that you want to avoid. Because it turns out there are tens of thousands of chemicals that have never been tested for safety in children and have barely been tested for safety you know, in adults or, or other animals. Our government is not doing what they should to protect families from chemical exposure. And I have to say my personal belief, although this is not proven yet, is that this chemical exposure that we have, the various chemicals, are Mm -hmm. part of the root cause for why we see so many children with autism. Mm -hmm. 
Wow. It's just smart parenting to have fewer chemicals than more chemicals around your child. So now you can go to the store, you can use the app, you can read the barcode and it'll tell you if it gets a, an A rating or if it gets a D rating and it, that can guide your purchase. That's such a great idea. Plus, I know our readers are big fans of the EWG Skin Deep database. We usually cover their top recommendations for the safest sunscreens every year, especially for kids. So I love the idea of using the app right at the point of purchase in the store. Very smart. Right, great. Thank you. So. Kristen, how about you? So my cool pick of the week is actually a television show because now that I'm getting a fair amount of sleep these days, <laughs> I can actually stay up and watch television. And one of our favorites, I've been watching it with my tween, is the show Timeless. So I don't know if anyone else is watching that show. It's on late. I think it's on no. at 10 o'clock on Mondays. It's really great. What I love about it is that they travel back in time in a time machine, but every week they experience different parts of our history. So they were back with Abe Lincoln. They were with Bonnie and Clyde. They were with JFK. Every single week they go to a different part in history. And so it's not just, a, you know, a drama. Is this like Quantum Leap with biographical and, yes, and historical it stuff? Is. Really? It so is it's a drama? Because, yes, because one of the women on the show is a doctor. She is a historian. And so they have her going along with a Navy SEAL, an ex-Navy SEAL, and a geek, of course, to fly the time machine. <laughs> and so it's just, it's a really fun show. That's a great one. And I, I've never heard of it. So thank you. I'm going to go with a book this week. So there's been a lot of talk about immigrants lately on the news in our country. And, you know, certainly my kids are talking about immigration in their schools. And so recently, our contributor, Georgette Gilmore, put together nine fantastic children's books about the immigrant experience to help encourage more kindness and empathy. And they're really good for kids of all ages. But I want to recommend one in particular. It's called Madlenka. And it's by an author and illustrator named Peter Sis. And it's almost Where's Waldo-like with its illustrations. It's really beautiful where you, you can just lose yourself in them for a long time because they're complex. But it really, it's a simple picture book about what a day in the life of New York City is like for a kid. And my kids loved it when they were little because it was so much like their experience. And the whole point was about how a walk around the block in New York is like a walk around the world. Oh, cool. So she Neat. has a French baker and an Indian news seller and an Asian shopkeeper and a German lady who sits by the window. And it helped me also remember the fact that, you know, especially living in New York, everybody we meet is pretty much from somewhere else. Like that's just the fabric of our world. So it's a really lovely book, even for little kids to just talk about differences and people from different countries and what they bring to our culture and how it makes us all more kind, compassionate, and interesting as communities. So Madlenka by Peter Sis. Love that. Yeah, it's great. And just a reminder to everyone, we'll have all of the links that we talked about on this show, uh, Dr. Harvey Karp's links, the snoo, everything that we talked about in our Cool Picks of the Week. If you go over to Cool Mom Picks onto our podcast page, you will find everything that we talked about so you don't have to worry about taking notes while you're listening. <laughs> well, Harvey, thank you so much yes, for spending time. Time and joining us and making parents feel so much better about the hardest part of parenting. Yeah, it's great talking with you. Wow, Liz, I can't believe we got to talk to Dr. Harvey Karp. I'm I know, so excited. I wish I, we had this conversation 10 years ago when I really, <laughs> I really needed it, but I'm hoping it helps a lot of our listeners today. Yes. And hey, we love hearing from you. So if you have a question for Dr. Karp, if you have a question for us, if you have a topic you'd like to hear about, if you're an expert yourself, please email us at spawned at coolmompics.com. And hey, while you're listening to us, why not just click that little tab on your phone, leave us a review on iTunes, and make sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Thank you so much again to our amazing engineer, John Bowen. And thanks for listening to Spawn. This is Kristen. And this is Liz. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. 